worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you let us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd It's time for a special episode of the It's Canon Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking all things Last of Us. We're your hosts, as always. I'm Boris, and this week, on this episode, chatting all things Pedro Pascal, Papi Pedro, and Ellie is my good friend, Phil. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We threatened to do this for quite a while. Yeah, threatened, threatened, uh, I like that, I like that, I like that, because that's exactly what it was. Uh, welcome, yeah. everybody, and uh, everyone watching, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or wherever the hell else it is, YouTube. YouTubes. Um, YouTubes, YouTubes, YouTubes. How's it going, YouTubes. Phil? I'm doing well, you know, it's Sunday. Um, my autocorrect is going crazy here with my mic gain, so sorry for the early audio distortion, but... Yeah, doing well, doing well, you know, it's a weekend, uh, never long enough, all those uh, little dad jokes that we say about that kind of stuff, how are you doing? Fairly good, it's been a super busy weekend, it is, we're in the middle of WrestleMania weekend, uh, so oh. I am uh, pretty, pretty freaking busy to say the least, right, uh, but everything is yeah. going well, I think, um, but uh, yeah, man, it's just been... Super busy here on this side. Later on tonight, I will have another podcast uh, to do. But then, but we're not here to chat about that today. We're here to chat about all things Last of Us. Uh, these these special episodes I kind of like to do a little separate from our usual episodes uh, for the simple fact that you know I think that you know I I like keeping these episodes timeless in a sense right I like ensuring yeah. that these episodes can be listened to and now watched at any given point in time uh so we 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 try not to go too hard into spoilers during the weekly episodes we'll save that for you know these specials and uh we're going to yeah. go a little deeper than we normally do on the weekly episodes uh we're going to talk about what we think what we uh saw some Easter eggs, kind of, and get our real impressions. And we're going to go episode by episode. Very nice, because I'm part of the show, and I don't even know this. So that's fantastic. And, yeah, you know what? It also makes sense that whenever you discover the show, you can then come back and and discover this type of episode after you've watched it and then engage with the content that we create here. Exactly. So, That's exactly it. All right, yeah. Phil. So it's like a I Christmas tree. It really is. It's it really there. is. So I think without Evergreen. further ado, we should just jump right into things and chat. All things Last of Us, the hit game that originally came out in 2013 for PlayStation 3. And we saw many, many oh. iterations 
of the game since in <laughs> the fact, same game. In fact, we are going to be talking about the newest iteration on the latest episode of the It's Canon podcast, and that's the PC version, and because that PC version truly is causing a lot of noise, to say the least. <laughs> uh, but we're going to save that for the regular episodes. Uh, we're going to talk about the TV show and focus on the TV show, focus on the good, focus on the positive here on this episode. Um, but came out originally in 2013. Phil, question for you. When did you originally play the video game? Uh, it would have been 2013, and I bought it for my PS3 at the time because that was the original release. And then I repurchased it for the PS4 edition, whenever that was, and I repurchased it again for the PS5 edition. So I've bought this game three times, plus the sequel, which that only is... has the one version right now. That's amazing. I freaking love that so much. Uh, yeah, it's just it's crazy how many times a person can buy the same episode, uh, the same game over and over. And I think that, you know, GTA, we've seen this really last of us. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's a game that every version has improved until now. Uh, again, more on that <laughs> on the regular episode of the It's Cannon podcast. But my introduction to this was so. I played this fairly late. I play, it took me years to actually play this game. Uh, and the reason, is every time I tried to play this game, something would happen. Something bad would happen. Uh, and, and I remember, so the first time I tried playing this game was back in 2017. And my nephew gave let me borrow the game and I'm like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to be playing this finally. And you know, what ended up happening was that I put the game into the system, played it for a little bit, really enjoyed what was happening, liked what was going on. But, you know, it was during a time when I was doing a lot of traveling for work. So mm. there was a lot of breaks in between of when I actually played the game. So, you know, when I was away at one point, what ended up happening was a flood. And oh shit, of course, oh, yes. the game was in the system. So that happened in 2017. No. Didn't play it. I'm like, fuck it. I'm not going to play it right now. They're like, I was so upset, so angry, uh, so hurt to say the least, right? Um, so, mm -hmm. so that's one system down. The, the time that I actually, and then I gave up. I didn't want nothing to do with this game. So... Come pandemic time, and this was 2020, the summer of 2020, uh, literally oh. as the second game was coming out. Uh, again, I know I'm going to get the second game for my nephew, uh, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to finally play the first game. I'm going to power through these, and we're going to see what, what's going on, right? So finish the first game. Have the second game in hand. This was a Sunday night. Just finish the DLC. Uh, put the game in the system. The second game loads up everything fine everything downloads and when the game starts and and the first cutscene of the second game uh it's you know you see joel playing uh with the guitar and he's fooling around with the guitar he's cleaning the guitar as he's with tommy and we i noticed that there's a lot of glitching the, the you can see the hexagons you can see the shading it honestly looked like the pc version of the last of us that we're going to be talking oh, on no. the regular episode it looked really bad and i'm like what is going on i kind of ignore it let the game move on um and then i noticed that like 
I'm seeing a lot of visual glitches. You know, characters would be sliding across the screen. They would be glitching. They would stop. They wouldn't appear. A lot of resources wouldn't be loading. Um, so I, I uninstall it, reinstall it, notice the same thing, do this a third time. And then this third time, though, my PlayStation just turns off. And I hear that beep, that dreaded beep when your system oh. turns off. And I'm like, what is going on? <sighs> what ended up happening was the hard drive died on my PlayStation 4. Oh, well, that's not the end of the world. A four no. PlayStation hard exactly. drive is remember, actually. Remember, this was during the pandemic, today. right? Yeah. Like in the middle of the pandemic, was, this was when yeah. every, everything from Amazon was just taking forever uh, to to get to people. So, luckily, or the the huge ass the one terabyte hard drive on a PS4, put it in. Praying to the video game deities and many deities, whether they be up in the sky or down below, praying to all these deities, hoping that this thing would would actually work. And lo and behold, everything did work. Everything loaded. Everything was fine. And I was finally able to enjoy The Last of Us Part Two. But it's just so funny. I feel like I've been hexed with this game. Uh, it has kind of added to the experience <laughs> in a weird way of this game and what I really enjoy of this game. Uh, so that's my playing experience of The Last of Us. Phil, what about you? Uh, I'll be honest. I bought this game near launch or if not at launch because I do have a fairly obvious problem being able to shy away from the big games. And there was so much hype around this that I bought into it. I was into at the time like The Walking or The Walking Dead and stuff. So this seemed to be something that was coinciding with the big zombie phase that was going on. And the problem, as most people who watch our show regularly and whatnot will know, that I can be a little bit touch and go with horror games and horror in general. It's not my favorite genre. I find that it's it can get a little bit too intense uh, uh, in your in your mind and whatnot. So anyhow... I played this game. I got basically to the museum and there's this one part where you're playing as Joel and there's a clicker and it's really, I'm finding it really difficult to get by. There's two clickers, but one that's immediately there and one that you set off if you're not careful. And I was having a bugger of a time getting past them, past the first one. Every time that thing would kill me and the screen would go red or whatever they did, right? Fade to black. I can't even remember. It was just so horrible. And the sound, the audio of that was so etched in my mind and whatnot that I, I hands up on the game. I was like, nope, not going to play this anymore. I'm not enjoying it. But what I had played, I enjoyed. I was just frustrated and stumped so i stopped playing the game for about a year and a bit and then what happened was the re-release came along and there was so much hype around that and i had already migrated to the ps4 so i picked it up because there was so much good stuff and i was hoping that maybe this was something that was thought of as a glitch so I, I picked that up and, you know, it has all the DLC and everything in it. 
So I uh, put it back in, played it, got up to that point, got stuck again, looked it up on YouTube, found out what I was supposed to be doing, did it, and then I powered through the game in like two weeks of just getting home from work, putting on the headphones, and away I'd go. I'd slip into this world and just explore every nook and cranny and every aspect of it and eat it up. I, I just realized what the story was about, realized that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a game about relationships and it's a game about the end of the world, but the true monsters aren't the monsters you think. And that really resonated with me. And then I yeah. became an absolutely massive fan of Naughty Dog. And I ended up engaging with the Uncharted universe of their creation, which I had been kind of avoiding up until that point. And they had the Nathan Drake collection just coming out and whatnot. So it was really accessible and just fell into that and just really got into, you know, the kind of offerings that Naughty Dog do. So it was, it was an excellent experience. And then, in turn, I feel like the other franchises that really impacted me at the time because of my enjoyment of The Last of Us was a lot of the Santa Monica AAA games like God of War. That remake uh, just absolutely was another huge game. But my the game I always hold up as the most intense and challenging experience of my of my gaming platform on consoles my gaming experience on consoles was it still is the last of us yeah it shocked me it is a hard game right? with, like like let's yeah. be realistic we're not spring chickens right like it's not uh yeah, uh, yeah we're not spring chickens i'm gonna leave it at that uh, but yeah the last of us is such a great game a lot of people you know a lot of our friends are huge into it mm -hmm. um you know people who literally bought the game and had the game downloaded at midnight uh when it came out regardless of what version it was including part two and they were done within just a few days honestly it took me two and a half days uh no i went from wednesday from thursday morning to sunday evening to play the first one and that's on and off right like i, I at the time yeah. i was with my parents and i just wasn't able to to get you know the the the, the time and i'm not going to force people to watch me kill a bunch of uh uh infected people and whatnot right mm -hmm. so, so yeah uh and then the second game i started again on wednesday afternoon and i want to say that i was done that on sunday so yeah it's just kind of Within the span of, of, of two weeks, I finished both games, right? And on and off. But uh, that was that was a very fun time in 2020. And I cannot wait for the third one to come up because I, you know, some people who I've met through this show, uh, they actually worked on The Last of Us on set out in Alberta uh, throughout 2021, 2022. And they've actually been hired to consult with Naughty Dog for the last of us part three wow well that's exciting which well, to me is interesting and it goes to show you the bigger plan right when they have people from the show now consulting on the video games yeah it just shows you how how the world is a little bit 
more evolved. And I guess that that would be the achievement that we're going to be celebrating in this episode a little bit is just the fact that it probably is the first video game that excelled at the transition to a mini series. Yeah. But in saying that, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle part two, because I've heard that they're going to be breaking it up into two different seasons. And there might be variances as well as to the flow of events or maybe even possibly changing some of the more controversial decisions in the actual game. So this might be an evolution of the story, which I'm okay with at this point. I trust in the show. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to hold up the video game as the video game's better. No, the video game is a different experience, but I think the television show was more efficient at communicating an experience without having to put in the type of time. Because even with you saying that you started it on a Wednesday and finished it on a Sunday, I don't know if people can grasp with how much investment that is. Yeah. And how oh, yeah. much of a brain pull that is, right? It like, really is. That is a, a 20 to 30 hour game. And that's at a pretty, pretty good clip. So, yeah, congratulations to you because I'm still playing the second game. Like, I, I I get so freaked out about it that I can't play it at night. I'm very picky and choosy about when I can engage with it. And what I've had to do, and this may be a spoiler to some people in the sense that I just went on YouTube and watched a summary of what went on in the second game. So that I could be able to talk about it a little bit more elevated because I know that I'm probably going to be challenged to finish that game yeah. in, a, in a time timely manner. What's 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 funny here um, is kind of like, yeah, it, it's been a while since I played the second game, but I remember most of the details. And even for the first one, you know, I tried playing uh, the, the remake, the remaster, the newest version of The Last of Us Part 1. Um, you know, as the show was going on, but I just got way too busy. So there were some details that I was a little fuzzy on, and I've noticed that m the timeline of certain things, for example, when Joel gets hurt, I kind of forgot when exactly that happened. I thought mm -hmm. that was earlier on in the series uh, or earlier on in the game than it, what happened. So that was actually pretty cool to kind of get that refresher. Um, so let's talk about this. Let's let's just jump into it a little bit more. Um, let's talk about the series, The Last of Us, HBO, greenlit the series November 20th of a few years ago. Um, and that's, uh, you know, Neil Druckmann was uh, called a, into executive produce. And also Chernobyl's Craig Mazin was asked to show uh, co-produce with him. I thought right away, reading this alone, I remember thinking... Yep. Holy crap, this is a great decision because Craig Mason did a great job. But my one concern is, is he going to adapt the video game properly? I know he can make a suspenseful show. I know he's great at doing that. But is he able to take something 
um, you know, and 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 kind of adapt it properly. Even though he's working with Neil Druckmann, right? You you never really yeah. knew how much say Neil Druckmann was gonna have. So quickly, Phil, what was your initial reaction when the show was announced, knowing that Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin was going to, um going to produce also i want to point out that around the same time it was announced that gustavo uh santa uh santa was also announced to do the music he did the music for the second game which has turned into such an iconic soundtrack in video games um and funny enough there was a lot of music from the second game actually used in the first season so as the pieces were coming together and before any of the cast was actually announced what were your initial thoughts I was excited about the potential because we're talking about quality. I know that Neil knocked it out of the park in the game. And I know that Chernobyl was a very well viewed and, and represented series. I didn't watch all the episodes, but I did tune in for part of it. And my friends were really excited about it. So just knowing the fandom that surrounded that was more than enough to make me feel like it has potential, but just like you, everything's got potential until it's actually achieved. So you always are carrying that little bag of doubt going into the first episode or the first few episodes. I can remember watching YouTube reviewers that were basically openly saying the first episode was great. The second episode was fantastic. The third episode blew the minds of people. Yep. I and think... then they were like, we're not sure about the rest. Like, they were nervous. Like, yeah. when's the bad episode drop? Yeah, right? That's when the litmus test is, you know, that's when we meet the litmus test. And it was like, it never really disappointed. It certainly had its differently paced episodes and things like that. But I think for a while there, everybody just wanted the whole show to be episode three, you know, and I'm glad it wasn't in a lot of ways. I'm glad that they did tell the whole story in a slightly different order, like you pointed out. There's some of it was accurate. Some of it was a little bit more, I don't know, elaborated or developed from it was borrowing from the second game a little bit heavier than the first game developed things and that's the hindsight right they're able to paint the picture of that town in colorado that that tommy's at is more developed whereas it was early days in in the first game mm -hmm. and even changing up some of the bad guys the big bad guy in the ninth episode or the eighth episode. Um, and for me, making it more terrifying, I've seen the opposite stated, but I I thought that there was a lot of great decision-making in this and I'll attribute that to everybody involved, like on that level. Yeah. All right. So that's, yeah, that's exactly what I felt, right? Like I felt 
like this was going to be in good hands, right? But you just never knew, right? It's like I feel like as video game enthusiasts, because that's what I like to consider us, um, you know, you, we've been let down so many times as recent mm-hmm. as the Mortal Kombat remake uh, that came out in 2021, which looks so freaking good. And then actually watching, I'm like, wow, this is trash. I'd rather watch Annihilation. <laughs> Not really. So as the cast started coming out, that's when my excitement really 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 started um pedro pascal obviously is someone who his career is who i've followed since the days of narcos right um he, mm-hmm. i thought he was excellent in narcos really good in uh, the little bit of uh game of thrones that he was on and i thought that him being cast as joel was a very interesting casting decision um and you know i'm like okay th- i'm cool with that bella ramsey uh, was all cast as ellie and i think that's the one when 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 people put those two together there was a lot of negativity online surprise 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 uh right <laughs> um nico yeah. parker being cast as sarah uh that one was a big one where people you know you kind of saw the internet for what the internet is but again i'm like you know what yeah i'm gonna give this time i thought when they cast riley uh, Ellie's good friend, uh, as, and Storm Reid was cast as that character. That's when I'm like, wow, that's a perfect casting. Gabriel Luna as Tommy. Again, you kind of saw the ugly side of the internet. Uh, but for those of you like who who were kind of keeping check, you know, if you look at Pedro Pascal and you think of someone who would play his brother, uh, Gabriel Luna is for sure someone who can do it. And I've seen Gabriel Luna in so many different roles throughout the years, whether it be Mexican role uh, film or North American stuff or American stuff. He's always knocked it out of the park. So I knew that Gabriel Luna was going to be a great choice. Uh, Anna Tor- uh, Torv as Tess was great as well. I s- I've seen her throughout the years with stuff. Um, my, I really enjoyed the fact that you know mm-hmm. we heard uh, you know that uh, Ashley Johnson and others from the video game yes. being cast throughout the series. That really made me feel good. Made me feel kind of like people were being uh, thanked, respected uh, for their contributions in the lot in the Last of Us world. Um, when Marlene was cast as the same actress who played her in the video game, that, again, felt mm-hmm. super, super comfortable. But the one actor who I was so comfortable with, seeing him in so many roles and the character that he was cast for, I knew it was going to be good. But this person we'll be talking about in a little bit, performance blew me out of the water. And that is Nick Offerman as Bill. Yep. 100%. Now, I will say... A little bit different to your expectation and excitement. I was a little bit scared. I know this you is were. when I started I getting. You were. I remember a rant. The, I, uh, yeah, your rants during the show started at that point, right? Like you were like, I don't know. I'm angry, Phil. Yep, I was angry, Phil, at that point because, like, let's let's look at it from my perspective. Uh, Pedro Pascal is the Mandalorian. Yes. Narcos. He he's got a role and sometimes he makes a bad choice because I'll point to exhibit A. Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> that <laughs> But here's the that thing. That was one of the most unenjoyable performances. Now, I realize that it's not Pedro Pascal's fault. He didn't write I the movie. Realize, he just played a part. I know. He read the lines that were fed to him. I know, but it just showed to me 
that somehow in some universe pedro pascal or his agent picked up that script yes read it and said you'll be perfect for this or i would like to think the version that probably goes on in the reality of pedro pascal's world is they looked at the script and pedro went huh and how much does it pay and then the agent put a p a number on a piece of paper and he said i'll do it because i don't care now admittedly he's not in charge of editing he's not in charge of the final product but it scared the living daylights out of me because i really didn't enjoy that movie i so i love the fact wonder woman took you out of everyone in that movie so much that you were scared of pedro pascal poppy pedro as he's called around these parts now uh you were well, you were scared to see what would happen you have to also look at it this way i wasn't overwhelmed with him as the mandalorian i did not like some of the decisions and some of what i heard about his behavior off camera especially about wanting to take the helmet off more and throwing temper tantrums about it i don't know if they're true or not they probably are bullcrap but there's that and there's the fact that joel holds a very very sacred role in my mind the voice i think it's troy barker or something like yep. that but the voice the job that that character actually portrayed physically in the game I became very emotionally attached to both Joel and, you know, like the, all, the main characters. I, Ellie and Joel were all I, I cared about. And here are new people that are different, not necessarily worse. They're different than what my expectation would be. Yeah. That's where I got a little bit scared because if you see Pedro talk and Bella talk, Bella's a full-on English person. Like, she, or, or they, I'm not sure. I saw that pronoun used uh, today with, with Bella's name. So yep. they have, like, these heavy accents and these heavy home country accents, which is fine. I'm perfectly okay with it. But that wasn't the way I pictured Joel and Ellie talking. So I was a little bit nervous about it. Yeah, no, I, I get was that. Happy to Look, say I'm proven wrong. I get like, that. They I, knocked it out of the park. I really do get that, right? Like it, it's the issue of Star Wars fandom, right? Where you you have this picture in your mind. And I'm not saying that you became negative because it didn't match it, but you were nervous and you were in a wait and see pattern, right? To see what would actually come. Yeah from this right and i totally get that and i think that was a lot of people because even as the show was gearing up and we were so close for the uh for the premiere right like i was excited mm -hmm. and i thought it looked great but a lot of trailers can be made to look great remember the oh, batman yeah. v superman and how excited everyone yep. was need i say more any Zack snyder project need i say more right like they can michael man great yeah <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984. Like anything DC. Yeah. No, anything. Exactly. <laughs> like, just, let's just list all the DC movies. Shazam. Yeah, Shazam. <laughs> oh. And there goes yeah. our access with WB Warren uh, Discovery. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, flushes but, down the toilet here. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where until I actually see it, I'm always in a wait and see pattern. 
But in the back of my mind, I was really hyped for this. I was really looking forward to this. I knew that they would knock it out of the park. Uh, Neil Druckmann has done such a great job. This is his baby, right? Like, let's remember that. And him being so involved was was a huge thing yeah. for me. And then, likewise, Craig Mazin, uh, you know, he's not going to attach his name to something that just I think would fail. Uh, so I was kind of a little more optimistic. And I think that the rest of America felt the same way because episode one had 4.7 million viewers on the first showing, and the show ended with 8.2 million for the finale, 9 p.m. on Sunday. Dude, the viewership soared by 75% through season one. Yeah, and that's a testament to viral. Viral and nonstop commercials. I don't know. If you turned on a TV here in Canada... CTV promoted the living crap out of this show. Every commercial break, you had at least one, sometimes two commercials for The Last of Us because they just make it the headliner show for the Crave ad, right? It was just crazy because that's the service that had it. But, you know, it paid off. And word of mouth, because I know that I was talking about it with all my friends and I can tell you to a T, like almost everybody went and jumped in on that show because of the glowing reviews that I was giving it. And it was it was interesting that we would talk about it, but we had to talk about it in a non-spoiler way in the group chat because certain guys were waiting for the whole series to be out before they binged it. Other guys were going week to week. And I'd just have side chats with them behind the scenes and go, yeah, like what level of disclosure do you want? Do you want the video game uh, uh, spoiler? Do you want just the show spoiler? Or do you just want to, you know, talk about what how how you felt watching this episode this week? Yeah, that was my experience, right? I had to kind of pick and choose who I talked uh, the episode with. And the first question I would always ask that person is, have you seen the episode yet? Um, you know, so I, I always made sure before I said anything and I was always very careful about what I said. Right. Because there were my friends mm -hmm. who never played the video game. There were some my friends who only played the first one. There are people who have only played the first one. Go figure. Right. Um, then there's a group of people who yeah. just know the full story. So I had these various conversations with the various people, depending on how immersed they are in the world. Uh, so that was always really funny. So this was a actually a huge hit for HBO um, as, you know, just uh, so much so that it was announced that it would be getting at least a second season. And I'm pretty sure that we're going to be seeing more than just that. Because as we said earlier, uh, the second video game, which is double plus the size of the first game, uh, is going to be getting a more than one season. Uh, so before we jump into the episode by episode recap and talk about stuff like that, I have two questions for you. Question number one. Um, you know, is The Last of Us, for you, do you consider this the gold standard for video game storytelling? Yes. Yeah, I do. It, it's, it was that emotionally compelling for me. It was once you caught the foothold of, of getting to know the characters, which the game did very well in indoctrinating you to. 
um, once you started caring about the characters, I, I I just couldn't stop. I couldn't put the game down. Couldn't put it down. And there's not many games as we rant about all the time on the It's Canon podcast. Not a lot of games that, that have that grab you factor anymore. And that one, maybe like GTA 5, that type of thing. Um, it's very... You know, it's very far and very few and far between, right? Like that, that a game grabs you like that. And that one probably takes yep. a cake for me for it, emotional involvement. Like God of War maybe yep. was the only game that touched that. Yeah. It takes a lot for me to really become immersed. I'm become such a, a more selective video gamer. Like I'll play video games and I'll like them, but it just doesn't move me the way that this would move me, right? It doesn't move me the way that a GTA yeah. 5 would move me. Of GTA Vice City, I just love that story and that world that they created so much. I love this world. I love this world so freaking much. And to me, this is a gold standard. What's funny, though, and 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 Halo, Alex, this is your, 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 your per episode a shout-out. You know, my, <laughs> my little nephew, he didn't play video games for the longest time. He would watch youtubers playing video games right like he's of that generation mm -hmm. where that's the that's what they do right um but once he actually gave the last of us a shot he beca he became a huge video game lover and a horror lover with that right uh he became the mm -hmm. littlest freak there is a little maybe a little too much into the horror but you know, that's what this game did. It turned people who were on the fence with video games into fans of video games. And to me, that just goes to show you how great this story was. Yep. And and to be fair, turning about that, uh, uh, the show has successfully taken a bunch of cynical reviewers and viewers out there who just go, game properties are terrible they don't adapt to all of a sudden now everybody's scratching their head and going or they do like that was good that was excellent storytelling i want more so i hope they don't you know kill the golden goose here yep and they keep on this path right because it would be easy to sell out and just kind of go ah let's uh mail it in <laughs> Pedro, don't play golf this season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let us... Inside reference to the second part. <laughs> yep. Let us chat a little bit about... Because I'll save that second question when we talk about a particular okay. episode. Um, so let's just jump into it. Episode one, season one, The Last of Us. Uh, so, uh, yeah, dude, right away, like I said, this show had me... Um, yeah, fungus among us. This is, uh, yeah, yeah, it was that opening, right? That, that going back to the 60s, you know, and doing that talk show type thing with these scientists, you know, discussing how they would, you know, envision the end of the world. And there's one guy talking about that zombie virus and the cordyceps and it's adaptation because of global warming and you're hearing all these little warning bells that we know are happening in the world right now and we're like oh crap this this feels next level already to me i'm like okay and i can say this for all episodes 
I knew what was overall going to happen because it wasn't hard to figure out the translation from the game. But I'll tell you, it was squeaky bum time for me every episode. Yep. Um, it was squeaky bum time every episode because I didn't know when I was going to get a scare jump. Right? Like, and I'm a sucker for that stuff. So I'm just like waiting for a clicker or a bloater or any, you know what I mean? Like anything to happen at this point. Cause I'm like, who the hell remembers now? And I'm like, you know, when they're going through the museum and that place that I got stuck and things like that, I'm like, Oh my God. Like I, you know, they made choices in the, in the show and I really respect the choices that they did. So, so episode one, when you're lost in the darkness, as we already alluded to starts off differently than the video game, that opening scene uh, back in 1968 with the scientists explaining that, Hey, this is possible. Um, was a really fun little way to start. And I like that mm-hmm. any scene that took you back in time, outside of the main story time, uh, the, the, the timeline of the plot, line, yeah. it was always kind of like the intro to the episode. Uh, so that's one thing that I really enjoyed about this series. But, uh, you know, we let's just jump fast forward into things because, uh, again, right in the thick of things, uh you know we 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 see where we're at uh so very similar to the video game uh we are in modern day texas the show is actually happening in 2003 uh instead of 2013 um but very Mm -hmm. similar to the video game um you know we kind of see this episode from the perspective of sarah what i really enjoyed about this was this really reminded me of psycho or scream uh where a lot of people may, could could have easily made the assumption that Sarah was going to be the main character of this series, right? I know that the trailers yeah. kind of alluded to other stuff, but this episode really put Sarah in the forefront of things. And we saw the outbreak of the virus through Sarah's eyes. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, and similar to the video game and, and the series. Yeah. Uh, so people who didn't play the video game kind of had that shock. That shock value, that holy shit, is the main character dead? Yep. And and it was lifted right out of the game, which yeah. was fantastic so as well. That was quick. very comforting for me, was just like the whole evolution of that first episode story was just taken out of the game. And it was like, okay, this is as good as the game. So we're in for a good time in the series. Yeah, right, so real quick, the plot of this episode, you know, again, we see things through Sarah's eyes. She goes to school. She borrows some money from her dad. It's Joel's birthday. It's his 36th birthday at this point in 2003. Uh, you know, from school, she, she, she... What's cool, what's interesting, though, um, is... Okay, I'll just talk about the plot, and then I'll talk about some, some things that I noticed. Uh, so from school, she goes to the uh, watch repair shop. Uh, that's when we kind of get the first hint that something's not right in in Texas mm-hmm. uh, when the shop owners, who I'm assuming has families outside of the USA, kind of get freaked out. They close the shop, tell Sarah to get the fuck home. Uh, Sarah, as promised, goes to their neighbor's house, spends some time with, with their neighbor, uh, and goes home. Once she's home, uh, you know, her and her dad are kind of reunited. But as the craziness really begins to start and the outbreak really begins, uh, you know, this episode kind of takes a twist to the insane as we start seeing people uh, being infected. 
Joel comes back in the nick of time, saves Sarah, uh, along with uh, Tommy, Tommy's brother. They fight. They need to make. They made to make it out of Texas, of little rural Texas, um, and very similar to the video game. Uh, again, we're seeing things through Sarah's point of view at this point, uh, and it's 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 madness. It's Armageddon. You know, people uh, are are lighting houses on fire. People are fighting. Uh, people are literally eating each other on the street. We go through the downtown. They cut through <laughs> downtown, trying to make it uh, to Mexico at this point. Uh, the, that's the assumption. Um, and that is when we finally get the first hint that things are really fucked up. Uh, the army is already out there. And the army is essentially out there to get a hold of the situation. But the way that they get hold of the situation is a very... Uh, you know, different different approach. It's uh, kind of a lot of people's um, fears when it comes to some stuff like this. Uh, so Sarah's injured, um, and and they get approached by someone from the army. Uh, this person was instructed to shoot. Uh, they follow their orders. They shoot. Uh, we think that they miss. That's not the case. Um, Tommy saves their life. Sarah dies in. Joel's hands. So that's kind of the Texas jump for yeah. 20. Go, go ahead, Phil. Oh, I'll just add one little thing that I kind of missed in this episode, but later it becomes more apparent. But one of the themes that the older lady was pushing was to eat. Yep. That's what I was going to come food. back to. Right. Yep. So Pedro Pascal specifically mentions to, to his daughter, Sarah, that they're on a low carb diet, which means no flour, no bakery, no pasties, pastries, things like that are, are a big no, no. So also- she passes up on this stuff, but it's actually the food is contaminated, which is a source of the outbreak. Also notice that right uh, when, you know, happy birthday, Joel, she wants to make pancakes, but they don't have pancake batter. So again, yes, they're, they're out getting of infected with that. Yep. There's there's subtle hints all the way through the story until Pedro Pascal does eventually address it. But I really watched I really enjoyed going back and watching the episode yep. to see the goose step around it. Yep. Like also, there was a scene when Sarah is in the classroom uh and, and someone is mm. signing uh reflecting off of the watch. Yep. Uh you see someone kind of twitching in a weird way in the background, you know, kind of mis obviously this person has been infected fast forward to the neighbor's house right um as sarah is looking through the movies uh she's she and she ends up picking curtis and viper 2 which is a easter egg uh for the last of us part two it's one of those made-up movies within the last of us universe um you know in the background off kind of blurred you see the old lady uh kind of twitching at that point and you know yeah. you kind of know that something something is something is amiss at this point uh so all of this Shit. obviously leads Shit us to right the infection happening and <laughs> exactly and sarah dying let's jump 20 yeah. years and i think that this was a very cool way of signifying that the world has changed that shit's hitting the fan and i kind of want to focus on this particular scene um, a little bit, and that's you know when we see 
Boston 2023. The world is different. It's Armageddon. Everything, nothing is the same as it was in the old world. And we see that random kid walking uh, alone, leaving the forest, walking towards, uh, uh, you know, the the QZ. City gates. Yeah, the QZ zone. Yep, the quarantine zone. Um, you know, and then they obviously get this person. Security grabs this person, asks them various questions. They find out. I guess off screen that this person is infected. Uh, they kind of. I think they this... scan him with that little gun yeah. or whatever, right? They do. So then they, then they have to confine him, and you know, have a little chat. It doesn't end well for him. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. So, um, yeah, the you know, and again, this goes to show you kind of where they are, right? Uh, that things aren't the same in this world. Um, so, you know, we finally catch up with Tess and Joel, and we see the body of this kid, um, and, and and Tess can't, she can't bear herself, she can't bring herself to throw this kid's body in the fire, but Joel doesn't give a shit. He's gone through hell and back. Yeah. Uh, so I like I kind of like that little added touch in, in this episode, just to show you that Joel isn't this loving father that he used to be 20 years before. Yeah, and it also shows you where his attitude is going to be with the impending introduction of Bella Ramsey as Ellie, right? Because she is cargo to him. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't really give a crap. Like, he's just like, no, I can be a stone-cold killer and uh, detach from the situation. Yep. And that's why it was done that way, right? And it's, I don't know how effective it was. It was interesting, but you know, it's uh, it's definitely a choice. And if anything, my one one criticism is in the the show would be that they took too long to develop the father daughter relationship. But that was a choice, and I respect it. So, yep. All right, so Robert Robert does play a role in the in the in the uh, series as he does in the video game, but it's a very different role. Uh, in the video game, he's kind of like a an under, like a kind of runs the underground. But here in the series, he does the same, <laughs> but he directly screws Joel. But rather than having a third party, he actually screws Joel with the fireflies. Um, at one point, Tess has this lighter, uh, and the lighter has you know seventy six on it, uh, has the engraving, and this is actually a. The, uh, a replica, a prop that was put in place as an Easter egg because this is from uh, uh, Uncharted 4. So I kind of like that little touch to the Naughty Dog yep. world. Yeah, it's it, it was a lovely little Easter egg. Oh, I'll give it that. Yay, yep. Naughty Dog. <laughs> Consistency in universe. Right. I love it. Star Wars, pay more attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, so essentially, I'm going to try to summarize things a little faster. Uh, we see that um, the Fireflies have Ellie. We don't know what who Ellie is. We don't know what's going on. We don't know why they're holding her. Uh, but they're, you know, there's a lot of movement right now within the Fireflies in Boston. And this is all building up towards other stuff that's going to happen very soon. And the importance of Ellie, uh, Joel, and Tess go to confront the Fireflies 
uh, but shit hit the fan. We see and are introduced to or reintroduced to Marlene, uh, who has a gunshot wound at this point, and she cannot complete her mission to take Ellie to outside of the QZ. Um, so she is essentially enlists Joel and kind of uses his 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 scheming um, with them, right, uh, or against mm-hmm. them. Uh, you know, they they promise him everything under the sun, whatever he wants, essentially, uh, to to take the package, which is Ellie, uh, to the QZ to meet the Fireflies outside of Boston. And that that was the that was the mission in the show. That's all he needed to yep. do. Yep, to get the car battery, isn't it? That's what he was. Want a car battery? That was essentially it, right? But yeah, those, uh, it ended up yeah, yeah, because at this point. Just so everybody knows, which I'm sure you remember from the show, Joel just wants to go find Tommy. He's lost track of Tommy, and he's pretty desperate of wanting to reconnect with him or make sure Tommy's okay, because he's not got a very good feeling about it, that Tommy's, in fact, in a good spot. He figures Tommy's most likely dead or in trouble. Yep, So exactly. They agree. They go back to where Joel is kind of hanging out, uh, and this is kind of a you know the first time Ellie's you know just she she's curious uh, and she kind of notices uh, that they have this manual with a bunch of codes with people and they use uh, various music to have codes. More on this in episode three uh, because Ellie does make mention that there's eighties music playing. Yeah, and that's the code for panic. And all of this is happening, essentially, uh, because Tommy is MIA. uh, Joel hasn't heard from Tommy in weeks, uh, so he essentially plans to go to meet Tommy, so that's why he wanted the car battery. That's how he gets himself in this entire mess. Uh, So, you know, Tess, Ellie, Joel plan to leave the QZ. Uh, They are confronted by someone that we were met Earlier in the episode, someone who works for the government, uh, this person clearly told Joel, you know, you're fucked. Um, And (laughs) they get into a skirmish. He gets a PTSD, which Joel reminds him of the time that he was with Sarah. He ends up badly hurting or killing this person. um, And, you know, they essentially find out that Ellie is infected. Ellie mentions that she was bit weeks earlier uh as you know we were kind of alluded to that a person turns within just a few days yeah and one of the things that the show there's a little tell in it if you're paying attention and that is whenever joel is thinking about sarah or regressing sarah's memories like like going back to them and, and visiting them in his emotional outbursts the watch becomes a focus so there's a little subtle camera play on it and, and character play where it's like he notices his watch and then that is kind of like the, oh, here's a Sarah moment. So, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. You know, he was dealing drugs with this guy and then he's like out there. The guy told him, don't come out. Tonight's not a good night. And Joel gets cornered in uh, having to do it that night. <laughs> yep. So good so job. leave. They're making the way less, way less military stuff than in the game, just so people know. Yeah. Uh, Very interesting decision there. Um, So uh, they escaped to they escaped the QZ. And that is essentially the 
episode. Yeah, it was great. It, it covered a lot and uh, didn't scare me, like in, in the sense that I knew we were in good hands, as we've discussed. Yep. Episode number two premiered January 23rd, 2023, and it was titled Infected. Uh, so essentially just, uh, you know, they escaped QZ. Joel and Tessa are kind of clashing over and thinking about and debating what they're going to be doing with Ellie. Uh, why, you know, they know that they have to deliver her to the Fireflies, but, you know, Joel is still a little apprehensive. Um, so they make their way through Boston and they are trying to find their way to the Capitol building, uh, you know. But once you leave the QZ, basically, there's a lot of things that can get you. They are not just dealing with the infected. They're dealing with raiders. They're dealing with uh, murderers. They're dealing with tribes. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with a bunch of things that are outside of the QZ. Um, so they have to kind of go through buildings. Uh, and that's what they end up doing. They go through a oh. Z- I might have accidentally been talking about that, the ending. Yeah. So yeah. sorry about that. That's all good. I apologize. They find their way through, um, you know, they, they they obviously spent some time in the hotel. And what I liked about this scene here is, you know, uh, Joel is a little apprehensive about Ellie's bite. They know that she has the bite mark. They're still not sure what yeah. to do with her. And he kind of hands her this rag. It's very similar to the health kits in the... In the uh, in the game, which I kind of like that touch. That was a nice little touch uh, there. The hotel that they were in, this actually becomes a setting in Pittsburgh, um, which yep. wasn't even a setting in the in the series. Uh, that was replaced with Kansas City uh, for one reason or another. But um, they going back to the museum. This is when they find out that there are clickers in this museum. They go through the museum, you know, and we kind of learn about clickers. We they kind of in their own way explain the fact that uh you know that uh the clickers can't see but they use sound and all that uh and uh, they kind of get uh separated um and 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 more intriguingness happens. So gonna take a real quick break there phil so up to this point you know we're in the museum shit is happening i want to i needed to ask you at this point you not being the biggest fan of the horror genre how did you feel at this point (laughs) i felt pretty okay because again there was no real shocker going on there was no scream moment everything was well cued by the characters and whatnot um, I also feel like at this point as well, they were uh, the one thing that was throwing me a lot was the fact that the cordyceps weren't airborne. So I was still getting used to the difference of the game to the show. And yeah, so that was an interesting adjustment and it definitely reduced the anxiety of the horror aspect because that was part of the experience in the game was just feeling the confinement of the gas masks and seeing the 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 carefulness of the characters like the way that you had to manage everything was a big was a big thing for me in the game yeah 
what's would have I would have laughed if they kept the whole uh, quarterstep stuff uh, and they did need to use gas masks. Can you imagine Pedro Pascal having to wear a gas mask uh, a lot of the time in this show? <laughs> it would have been <laughs> Mandalorian again. No, I want out. <laughs> but I, I think it was a good decision in the sense that <clears throat> the um the 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 production crew I think wanted to stay away from it due to the way the pandemic had all unfolded. Yeah. Because that would have like really struck a nerve. Cause you know, it it seems like so far away now in a way, which is good. But in another way, I'm like, remember how paranoid we were about everything? I've seen stand-up comedians doing this bit where it was like, remember when you'd go to the grocery store during COVID and you'd come home and wash all of your products because you weren't sure if COVID was sticking to things? Like, how is it transmitting, right? And it was just, you know, like, yeah, that was a thing, man. Like, that was, that was something that we were doing. And then it's like, after you do it the first time, it's like, Ah, screw it, gonna live dangerous. Just put the boxes in the cupboard. <laughs> but it it was just that that whole wear a mask, wash your hands, all this, you know, smart, healthy thought <laughs> process. But in this show, I think it would have been a little bit too close to the to the wound, so to speak. And I do believe that this episode opened with the um in Singapore or in Asia with the doctor. It was another go back in time and that never happened in the game. So this was also adding to the actual gravity of the, of this pandemic, like this outbreak with the big reveal of that opening scene was with the, you know, the, the doctor, the head of um, uh, infectious diseases, essentially saying we're shit out of luck. You got to bomb everything. Yeah, and knowing that she was going to get killed. Yeah. Knowing so, that her family, everything, like her bloodline was going to end. Yeah. So and they make, she was still way, like, do it. <laughs> yeah, they make their way through the museum. Um, and, uh, you know, Tess is kind of becoming a little more, a little more, hey, let's get Ellie, let's get Ellie to the rest of the fireflies. Getting outside of the Capitol, we notice that the fireflies are kind of dead. So what the hell has happened to them? Uh, we get back in, and this was another change from the video game. Uh, in the video game, this is when the military comes, but here in um, in the series, uh, we see a bunch of infected, actually. Uh, it's revealed that Tess was actually bit, uh, so she sacrifices herself for Ellie and Joel, and this is essentially the when Joel says that, yeah, all... I'll do this for you because I love you, Tess, but, you know, what the fuck? Yep. Get, it, this episode gets heavy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, a lot of people complained about the about the ending of this episode, uh, you know, the, the kiss with the infected, uh, but really I think people don't yeah. realize that that was the quickest way for the infection to, uh, to, to, to find each other. Yeah, and, but as well, she was already infected. As she I mean. had revealed. Yeah. And uh, I do love that they established that all of the infected are linked by those little tendrils, you know, because all the, the infected got up out of the ground and started m- mobbing the museum or wherever they were. And that was an extension of that. But there was also a really big theme that was going on with that. And it's to show how love can kill. 
It's to show how dangerous feelings are. Because, you know, as we were discussing, and this is spoiler-heavy version, when we get to the end, we see some of the repercussions of Joel's love for Ellie possibly having an effect to the point of threatening their survival in the world, right? Like that was a theme that they wanted to do. So this to the, to the production team was a way of exploring and displaying that early on so that we could start to see the destructive aspect of love as well as see the positive aspect of it. Well said. It cannot add anything there. Uh, one Easter egg that I did want to bring up was that the clickers, Misty Lee and Philip Kovacs, uh, they are actually female clicker and male clicker, and they actually voiced the clickers in the video games as well. You know who does an amazing clicker sound effect? Who? Bella Ramsey. Oh, God. Check this up on YouTube. It is scary good how good of a, of a voiceover she does for the clickers. In in the first game, they only had the woman doing it. And then I think in the second game, they brought the guy on to do the male clicker voice because they just modified the pitch in the first game in the, in the sound studio. But pff, that's geeky me talking. <laughs> so, yeah, this episode left us and kind of set the stage again. Episode number one, Sarah dies. Episode number two, Tess dies. You know, at this point in the series, you know, a lot of people are like, anything can happen. It's, you know, the sky's yep. the limit. No one is safe. And that leads us into episode number three. And this is the shocker episode. This is the one that I think today talking to my niece's husband about his experience with the show and the fact that he never played the game which was fascinating to me so i i really went over some things and uh one one thing that i did specifically go over was episode three with bill and frank and Ken, my my niece turned and she looked at him at, at her at her husband she looked at me and she goes looks back at him and she goes is this the one that upset you and i'm like oh no right and i'm like oh no please be upset for the right reasons because at that point you never quite know yeah and he was upset for the right reasons and he said he he's the kind of guy that doesn't really admit to his feelings he's not at that point in his life where he's actually okay with it and that's okay but he told he told me he's just like he cried like he got hit hard in this episode and you know i had to tell my chat group at the time when episode three dropped i'm like guys go watch it but i will advise you right now have a box of kleenex at hand because i i was no holds barred with you in our chat man oh man i was bawling my freaking eyes out a couple times like i didn't feel right uh, uh Braden, my 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 niece's husband said that he didn't feel right for three days. He was so emotionally affected by this episode. So uh standing standing ovation to them for this because it was truly visionary and all subtle inferences in the game that weren't very well developed that they fully fleshed out in such an emotional way for this episode. 
Yeah. This and, episode. Yeah. Oh my god, this episode just just killed so many people. Like it just emotionally this was draining. Um I'll tell you a little bit of a personal story at this point with this episode. Um I'm not going to use names for obvious reasons, but um, I had a friend whose mom passed away literally the week that this episode came out. So before this episode or a couple weeks before this episode came out and on the day that this episode aired was the celebration of life for her mother. Oof, that's pretty heavy. So, you know what this person clearly did when they got home. Yeah. And I can't even imagine, I can't even fathom that. Um, but yeah, this this episode moved a lot of people. And I think this, in my opinion, was the turning point of the series where people became really entranced, really in love with the series, whether you played the video game or not. This is the episode that probably got the most yeah. attention. And to be honest, like I don't even think we need to really go over the details of the episode. No, so I, th- I think the reaction to the episode was most interesting to me. Yeah, online because so, I saw people say that they're never going to watch a show again because they were so offended. Which I think great, Sayonara, Don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. And Nick Offerman and the other gentleman who played oh, just again hats off to those guys, knocked it out of the park as you said about Nick Offerman earlier. Like I knew the type of player, the type of guy that Nick Offerman wants to play. And this was so on point with the characters that he's he's portrayed in the past, but it's also so enjoyable to see him be vulnerable in this role. And that's the part I, I know the comedy and the tough guy routine that he goes through. And this was very much the tough guy persona, but the vulnerability that he had was just so emotional that I just felt like that was in one episode, they were able to get an, an emotional uh, 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 story conveyed so convincingly that then that's when I started calming my nerves about the relationship between Ellie and Joel in the show. Well, I'm just so, like, these guys have a switch. They can just turn it on whenever they want. So two things. Number one, uh, Frank was played by Murray Bartlett. He was also recently seen in season one of White Lotus. He played Armand. White Lotus, yeah. Awesome, awesome role. Uh, but Murray Bartlett was the person who played Frank. And this episode yep, was actually the, one of the episodes that had the most changes from the video game. Because in the video game, um, in the video game, we actually see you know we don't even see frank right we see nope. his body but we don't see frank yep. see his body uh, and, and you have to read the notes in the yep. game like it's extra content to find this storyline yeah exactly which isn't even developed like you said so it's this was wow <laughs> good yeah, job exactly right uh so there is interaction between joel ellie and and um and Bill in the video game, but they kind of took that away and 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 turned it into something amazing. What's so this this was an episode of two halves, 
well, a third and two thirds. The first third was really about Joel and Ellie. They're walking around. They're on their way to Frank, uh, Bill and Frank's. Uh, Ellie is being very annoying to Joel, asking a bunch of questions, asking Joel about the pre, uh, pre-pandemic and pre-outbreak, uh, I should say, um, you know, Ellie asks about the scar in his head. Joel says he got in a gunfight. Uh, you know, they're kind of going back and forth. They're talking about stuff. Um, and then we kind of jump into the Bill and Frank. And it's essentially a 20-year love story between Bill yep. and Frank. Yeah, and their fight to protect themselves from raiders and protect the town that they live in. And kind of capture a slice of normal life. Yeah. And you know, live so in their best life. As yeah. strawberries. Being able to grow strawberries, which they got from Joel and Tess, because they do show how that friendship started and how Joel yeah. knows. And the radio him. network. Yep. Yep. And the radio network and whatnot. It oh man, so heartbreaking. So heart wrenching. Yep. So but it's a well twenty done. year. 20-year love uh, story between Bill and Frank. Uh, we find out that Frank, I'm assuming, has Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, uh, and his body mm-hmm. is deteriorated enough. And he basically says, fuck it. I've lived enough, um, and it's it's time for me to call it a day. Um, you know, much to Bill's chagrin. Uh, and Bill agrees to potentially euthanize um, Frank. And what Frank doesn't know is that Bill actually also takes the poison because he says, you know, you're my purpose. So I'm going to end my life with you, essentially. Some some real Shakespearean stuff going on here. Uh, quickly, back in the present, Joel and Ellie, they finally reach Lincoln. They find Bill and Frank's uh, house. Uh, they've Bill left a letter for Joel urging him to use his belongings in the town to protect those he loved. Joel decides to let Ellie join him on his journey to find his brother Tommy in Wyoming. Yeah, and they end the episode on the open window, which is what we have in our background. And it gives so much power to that image from the first game, the opening screen, that it really, that was shattering. Like, that was just like, the way that they pulled out on that shot and whatnot um, was just mind-altering for me because it it really brought home the whole emotional journey of what we had gone through in the video game and it really brought about and evoked some some really raw emotions for me in in that recollection yep yep um so talking about bill and frank's window which you can see in the background of this uh of this stream if you are watching a streamed version uh the cinematographer even bolter confirmed that this shot is a nod to the image of the window featured at the start of screen from the game and he said i wanted to somehow honor the famous shot of the window from the last of us title screen and i saw an opportunity to do an interesting crane shot that was about joel and ellie driving off into the next episode uh so i kind of like that so Another story about Windows was, did you know that the original idea that Neil Druckmann had was to start every single episode with a different window? It was mm-hmm. be a shot of a window. Yep. And they abandoned that, but I like the idea. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, I like this better. I, I don't like know it why. Too. I guess the simplicity of it and just the elegance. I, I, 
I found spoke uh, very, uh, very highly. The shirt that Frank is wearing throughout the episode, that red flannel shirt, that is actually what they call Joel's hero shirt in the video game. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I know that the wardrobe was heavily linked to the um to the game. There are specific outfits that are chosen. And at the end of, of this episode, Joel and Ellie shower, and they essentially don the the clothes, the clothing that they're most mm-hmm. famous for in the video game. Yep it uh, it established that we were on the uh, on the path. We were we were doing some some stuff that was very, you know, it, it's what you did in the game. It, it it's it's it established a lot of the background of what you see in the game so that was good i i enjoyed it like i say it's it's probably my favorite episode but it's also one of the most difficult ones to watch <laughs> yeah this Which is my favorite kind of funny uh but this is again like you said the most difficult one to watch and it's just the pure raw emotion the storytelling the acting absolutely everything about this episode is masterful if this episode doesn't win all the emmys i don't know what to say yeah i know this is in some of the best TV um, in in decades, in my opinion, like it, it's hard to get close to this. Uh, I, if something else wins in Emmy, uh, the Emmys, it better be damn good. Like it better be hands and 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 head above what they achieved here, which yeah. I think is a very high bar. So, congratulations. Yep. All right. Episode four. Um. What else can we talk about about this episode three? I I I will leave it at that for episode three. Yep. I, episode I number just, four. Uh, yeah. This episode, we see Joel and Ellie. They're starting to bond more on their journey together. Uh, in conversation, Joel kind of says that Tommy was an ex Firefly member. He left them of, with hopes of rebuilding the world, uh, but with Tess now dead, Joel sees uh, his purpose to find and protect Tommy. Um, they sleep in the woods. Joel stays up to guard Ellie. Uh, this was really cool because Ellie kind of makes mention of uh, uh, her being scared. And, you know, and, and Joel kind of like says, ah, don't worry, we'll be fine. But, you know, little do we know that Joel actually is scared shitless at this point as well. <laughs> they continue their journey uh, again. They reach Kansas City, not Pittsburgh, Kansas City. They find the highway is blocked. They drive into town. Uh, they discover that the Fedra's quarantine zone is actually deserted. Um, they're not sure what's going on. Then they're attacked by some hostile survivors. They kill some people. Um, uh, you know, then little we... It's the introduction little... that people are more dangerous than the clickers. Right? <laughs> that, that idea starts getting hammered home with this. Yep. It's like you thought you were watching a show about infected, but really we're just watching a show. About how assholey people are. Yep, how <laughs> human and human nature is the actual infection. Look at toilet paper prices during the pandemic. There you go. Say no more. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Kansas City, we find out that there was a resistance movement. Again, Fedra in Kansas City. Their leader, Kathleen Collin, is searching for a man called Henry uh, and has her soldiers searching door to door for him. Uh, and now they're searching for Joel as well. Uh, Perry, who's actually played by the person who plays Tommy in the video games, is also mm-hmm. there. 
They're hiding from Kathleen's soldiers. Joel apologizes to Ellie for forcing her to shoot a man, gives her a gun. Um, Ellie kind of makes mention that this isn't the first time that she shot someone. Uh, they rest in a skyscraper. While they're sleeping, a man and a boy sneak up on them and hold them at gunpoint. What's really interesting, though, is that they set up their little sleeping area. Joel breaks up a bunch of glass. Uh, Ellie's kind of wondering, what the fuck are you doing? Joel says, you know, in case someone comes in. But Joel actually goes to bed with his bad ear out in the open. So that's why yep. Sam was able to come in and not alert Joel. Yep, he's got a bum ear, and he keeps on walking around it, but he uh, apparently it's part of this infamous gunshot, I think. Yep. All right. They don't really want to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, again, this episode is really building up the fact that humanity is fucked up. Uh, Some of the Easter eggs in this episode, we get No Pun Intended, Volume 2, T-O-O. Uh, so that was really funny there. Uh, we see here some Hank Williams music. Uh, we notice that Joel is a lover of coffee, which we see as a theme throughout the uh, throughout the video games. Um, yep. So that's always very fun there. Um, and yeah, there's, you know, a lot. This of- episode was probably not one of the better. It was set up, you know. Yeah, it was it was it was not filler. That's harsh. It was just yeah, set up. It was getting you to a spot where you needed to be in order to launch a story going forward because you, you know, geez, man, at points it's going breakneck speed. So <laughs> apparently some of our oh, some of our viewers really enjoy the coffee. <laughs> so as do I. Yep. <laughs> Yep, so that was episode four. Like, there's not really too much to it. So it's set up for the next episode because episode five is the next gut punch, the next kick to the balls, proverbial kick to the balls, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Um, So we get a flashback of the man and the boy. It's Henry and Sam hiding from the resistance. Uh, Harry and Sam, they want to leave the city, uh, but that's when they see Joel actually fighting with the resistance. Henry decides to follow Joel, leading to how... Uh, the previous episode ended. Henry proposes an alliance with Joel, and he promises to get them out. Joel agree. Um, they travel to the underground shelter uh, in an abandoned classroom. Uh, we finally see Ellie <laughs> being able to be a kid. And what to me, what's interesting here, and, and we kind of see this a few times with Ellie, is Ellie is, what, 17 years old in this show? Yeah, well, I think she's supposed to be 14. She's 19 in real life. She would have been about 17. Yeah. I think in the show. During this filming. Yeah. So. So she acts a lot younger than her age depicts. And what I really enjoy about that is the fact that you have to think about this. These, the kids in this world are not regular kids like we have today. No. You know, they were built to survive. So, you know, sometimes they act a little less mature than what we the a number that we can put them towards right and we really see that with ellie and sam and the way that ellie plays with sam yeah and but she's also trying to comfort them right like this is another episode just so everybody knows in case you haven't i don't know why you watch this broadcast without 
seeing it, but I will say this. This is another uh, a clean Xbox episode. It, it, it was emotionally. And again, I knew what was going to happen. I remember this very clearly from the game. And the minute they started exploring the characters, I'm like, Oh no. Oh, this is, this is going to be a fun thing on the internet tomorrow. Because <laughs> man, oh man, they had the subtlety of a sledgehammer on this. So good for them. It was awesome. But yeah, the kids definitely regressed quickly. And I think that just denotes like the protection and the and big sister aspect that Ellie was exercising on Sam, but allowing herself to be a kid again, right? Or be a kid that she never got to be. I think the only other time we saw this side of her was maybe the shopping mall a little yep. bit, right? Yes. Where, you know, you got to see this unbridled uh, uh, escapist pure joy, right? She's she's now that she's gone through, and we'll get to that in the shopping mall experience, you can see that, that after that post bite that she's become a lot more jaded. Yes. And acclimatized to the world because now she's got something to hide. She's got something to protect. And she's and she's also studying Joel throughout these episodes. You'll notice that she's looking at him and she starts picking up more and more of his mannerisms as the episodes go on to the point of peak Joel in episode 8 right where the dialogue will actually be what Joel would say to strangers. And she's learning this by seeing him with Sam and Henry. Yep. Cause she's, she's observing him telling them like, no, okay, you're going to put down the gun. And you know what I mean? Like he's, he's protecting them and making choices about their relationship with those two and how they're going forward very early on the episode. And it's not just a, Oh, well we're going that way too. And we can help you out. He's going, isn't that convenient? So what the hell do you want out of this? Yeah. You know, he's very cynical about it and he's showing Ellie that you have to be suspicious of everyone because they're all evil until you can 100% equivocally prove that they're not, which Again, is you know thinking about st- and we're not going to talk about this. We're not going to spoil the second game at all. But when you think about certain things that yeah. happen in the second game, um, you know, it goes to show you that Joel just lets his guard down because he's living a comfortable life again. Yep he he starts losing that edge because he's not being forced to live on on that 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 lifestyle. You know that that kind of rugged out for yourself. Trust no one. Fuck them all. Yep. Uh, Henry <laughs> reveals to Joel that the reason why they're being hunted is because uh, he sold out Kathleen's brother to Fedra to get some medicine to save Sam's life. This has always been about Sam. This is all about Sam. Mm-hmm. And what I like about this is that you see the the juxtaposition of Sam, um, uh, you know, of 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 uh, Sam and uh, Henry and Joel and Ellie. Yeah. Right. Um, so 
let's fast forward. It's nighttime. They emerge into the suburbs. They think everything is free. They feel that things are going well, but then they get shot by a resistance sniper. Uh, Anthony Joe, um, his name was Anthony Joe flanks him, manages to kill him. Um, but Kathleen is alerted to, and the rest of the residents arrive. Um, and it's time for a standoff, uh, the standoff eventually ends after uh, Sam and Henry uh, decide to give themselves up. But that's when the herd of infected pop up out of nowhere. And it is pandemonium. All hell breaks loose. Shit hits the fan. Um, <laughs> and this episode goes from zero to 60 real fast. You get. The ballerina gymnast clicker, which was terrifying because it was like a little girl that was very uh, 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 physically adept to these moves. And you got the bloater, which is the first time in this in the show that we see a bloater. I don't think it's in the game you had already encountered bloaters. And these things are just big, fat, infected pus bags that are incredibly difficult to kill and yeah it's a it, it was practically shot but they ended up using the cgi version of it i believe yeah at the end of the day yep um what's really cool here is that this is the episode that we finally see the bloater make an appearance yep we saw it in the commercials we saw it in the build-up the promo but now it's coming from the ground, baby. Yep. Not yep. a good time. Yep. So that's exactly where we're at at this point. Uh, the bloater and the infected essentially saved the lives. They kill Kathleen and a bunch of the resistance. Uh, the bloater actually kills one of the resistance members, very similar to how you would get killed in the school gym the first time that you have to fight the bloater uh, as you're with uh, Ellie and Bill, which is kind of funny. I kind of like that little little touch of the kill scene, <laughs> um, but they make it out of their way. Uh, the group is in, a, in, an, in an abandoned motel. Joel decides to offer Henry and Sam, saying, hey, join us on this journey to Wyoming. Uh, everyone accepts. Everyone's happy. Uh, Sam, though, reveals to Ellie he's got bitten. Ellie thinks she's immune, uh, decides to keep this a secret. She slices her hand to rub blood on his bite mark, thinking that this would cure him. By morning, yep. Ellie's efforts failed. Sam turns and attacks her. In the scuffle, Henry shoots Sam to save Ellie. This decision devastates him so much so that he turns the gun on himself and kills himself. Joel and Ellie bury their bodies before moving forward. And this is the first time that we see a more dejected Ellie again. Yeah, this was a, a, a trip down the path of she's starting to identify why Joel is the way he is. Because if she didn't get emotionally close to them, she wouldn't feel terrible as terrible right now. And yeah, it was a tough episode, man. I, I can tell you, like a lot of the reactions I was reading out there were people people basically saying that uh, that um, they uh, they didn't expect this at all. They, they didn't think the show was going to go there. 
So, yeah, yeah we knew from the game, <laughs> which is the ultimate cheat. Like, we read the book. <laughs> yep. I like the fact that they had Savage Starlight in this, uh, which is the comic book that Ellie continuously reads. Uh, it's also the uh, the comic book that Sam and Ellie bond over. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of like that touch. But episode five, again, just another kick, kick in the guts, kick to the gonads, the proverbial gonads, that is. Yep. Another box of Kleenex, please. Yep. Uh, I, I found that even though I was emotionally ready for the end, I found that it was still not crying upsetting, but it was still, it sat with me heavy for a few days afterwards. And, and especially reading people react to it was hard. Yep. It was exactly. like every time that they, they said something, it was like, Oh, Oh yeah. That, that's an emotional sucker punch yep exactly all right let's cut to episode number six uh we get um a recap of how henry and sam died uh now it is winter joel and ellie are kind of trying to get information on where this place in jackson is uh from marlin and florence um they march on uh, Joel, we start seeing that he's actually suffer, suffering through some panic attacks. Um, they talk about their dreams. Joel claims he wants to live on a peaceful sheep ranch. Ellie says she wants to fly to the moon someday. Uh, Joel falls asleep on watch, and Ellie covers for him. So again, they're building on that trust. Now Joel, who yeah. doesn't trust anyone, trusts Ellie with his life, so much so that he can get some sleep. Yep. It's a uh, it's a good change. It's a good build up. It's starting that 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 trend I was talking about that they were taking their time building towards. And it was a wonderful shout out to the second game with the astronaut stuff. So, yep, yeah, good All job. Right. They find their way into the Jackson community. Joel and Tommy are reunited. Uh, a lot of the episode takes place in this community. Uh, I think that one of the biggest Easter eggs is the fact that we do see Dina, or what a lot of people perceive to be Dina, um, in this episode. In the background. In the yeah. background, running away from Ellie, kind of sneaking up and, 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 and eyeing her down. Yep. Nice little, nice little nod. Let's see what happens. I like it. <laughs> like I, like I say, I love the continuity that Naughty Dog is doing with their universe. They go to the bar. Joel and Tommy. Joel actually lies and tells Tommy that Tess is still alive, and he's delivering Ellie to her Firefly parents. So he's hiding the truth as to what the mission actually is and what they've actually gone through. Uh, they find out that they need to go to the University of Eastern Colorado, uh, but he doesn't. Tommy doesn't want to go with them. Uh, he says that Maria is pregnant with his child, and Joel is pissed off. He kind of leaves. He has another panic attack, um, you know. And 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 he calms down when he sees someone who reminded him of his deceased daughter, Sarah. Yeah, he's definitely having a difficult time with his emotions, and yep. it's uh, it's overwhelming him as a his character. And I like that about it because it shows a little bit of vulnerability with with Joel. 
right? It's it's a good thing. Yep, exactly. Um, so Ellie just can't bond with anyone. She's not from the community. She doesn't trust anyone. She doesn't like anyone. She kind of listens to Joel and Tommy's conversation. At this point, though, Joel tells him everything from Tessa's death to Henry's suicide uh, to him nearly dying in Kansas City. Uh, Joel begs Tommy to take Ellie. Tommy agrees, and Ellie uh, listens in on this. So Joel tells Ellie that... Mm. Tommy is going to continue the mission, and this right here, in my opinion, is the turning point of their relationship. Yep, yep. It's not going to sit well with her, and she feels like she's being offloaded like like garbage, as they say. So her, her emotional reaction is not very good about this, and it creates the tension that will eventually lead to the bond. And whatnot, which is kind of like an ingredient into that that you need to have. Yep. So again, another hallmark of great writing. Yep. This is the first time that Joel declares that he's not her father. Um, and this leaves both a little devastated. In the morning, Tommy yep. and Ellie are getting ready. Uh, they find Joel in the stables. Joel says that he wants to give Ellie a choice of who takes him. And Ellie doesn't really give it a second thought. She's like, get your shit together. Let's go. Yep, yep. She's she's making the choice that this is the guy that you know is the right guy for me. This is the guy that that has my best interests at heart, and that, like you say, that kicks off the whole uh, uh, next level bond. Yep, that they, that they start exploring in the show. On their way uh, to Colorado University, Joel and Ellie bond a little more. Joel teaches her how to shoot, tells her about his life a little more, how his life was before the outbreak. It takes them a week to get to the university, but they find that the Fireflies have actually left to Salt Lake City. Um, as they're going back to their horses, raiders attack them. Joel kills one. He's stabbed in the process. They run away, but... After many miles on horseback, Joel passes out. Ellie cries for him to get up. And that is how this episode ended. Yeah, and this is a heavy part in the game, too. You're, because this would be the first time in the game that you get to play as Ellie. So it is quite uh, a trip because, yeah, you get to be in the small talk moments with those two characters in the game. And that that's part of the charm of it right of how getting to know those characters on that deeper level and the the show kind of goes light on it but when it does it it does it effectively you know because time is money so fair enough yeah. um, i'm at this point i'm totally engaged i'm like remember everything but at the same rate i'm just so excited to see it through a different lens that's exactly a different lens of storytelling that is exactly it, and I think this leads us into episode number seven, as Ellie is essentially left to make a decision. Joel is essentially telling her to leave him there uh, and for her to continue on, and Ellie is forced to make a decision whether she stays with him and helps save his life, or she does indeed continue on, and we get this episode essentially takes place in the past. Um, it's you know, th this is an absolute heartbreaking 
episode uh, on so many, many, many levels. And it's called Left Behind, which so happens to be the same name as the DLC that it is based off of. Yep, it's a it's a revisit of the DLC. It's putting it in a emotionally sensitive spot for the show, which I think again is a great choice. Um putting it in here just means that we get to see you know, as you're going to briefly over overview, uh the emotional development of Ellie and some of the guilt she carries with herself about the happenings the occurrences in 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 this uh episode in this flashback so and that's going to serve as a motivator in the current situation with joel yep a lot of this episode takes place in the past so we finally see uh kind of a lot of ellie's actual story um and and why she is the way she is we finally see how she got uh, bitten uh, so we go back in time. She was living uh, and not getting along with the other kids in Fedra in the um, in, in their camps to become part of the U.S. military. Uh, she kind of you know gets in a tussle with one of her peers, um, and she's given a choice whether to continue being part of Fedra or basically get the fuck out. Um, and that's that. She decides to stay with uh, Fedra. Uh, she stays up late reading an, an issue of Savage Starlight yet again. Uh, and this is when <laughs> Riley, her friend, comes. Um, and she, Riley's been MIA from this camp for a little bit and essentially gets Ellie to come follow her. Uh, and they spend the night together doing what they do, going through the mall, and, 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 and again, going back to what we were just talking about when it comes to Ellie, you know, Ellie has never seen a mall. She has no idea what the mall is. She's never gone and used an escalator. Like, it's these simple things yeah. that we take for granted that's just new to her, right? It's just, it's just crazy, right? And I like the fact that it's the yeah. first step to their adventure was this escalator because that's kind of like the gateway to the real fun, Right. So from the escalator, they jump on the carousel. This is where we're seeing that Ellie's feelings for Riley are a little deeper than what's on the surface of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. They play a video games. They play Mortal Kombat 2, uh, the arcade game, which was alluded to earlier when she saw this arcade game um, with Joel. Uh, they say some more puns. My favorite pun was what did the triangle say to the circle? I don't know what you're so pointless. Ah, they go, uh, you know, they're, they're talking more about their feelings. They go to a costume shop, uh, and they're wearing masks. Very similar. Very, very just take it from right out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They take pictures in a photo booth. Um, this is what, what's that Matthew Broderick movie when he's in a, at target overnight. Is it Matthew Broderick? I know it's a, uh, Jennifer Connelly's in it. Well, I'm not sure. Is it, is it John Hughes film? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Like I'm, I'm thinking I got, uh, uh, Ferris Bueller's day off vibes out of this uh, a little bit. Cause it was just career uh, opportunities, kids being kids. Career opportunities. Oh, there we go. I don't know if I know that one very well. I'm gonna have to go check it out. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's Jennifer Connelly. It's 
Very, very good movie. Um, so, yeah, so it, it was kind of like that. Uh, you know, at this point, we kind of see the relationship that Ellie and Riley had. Uh, Riley yep. officially joined the Fireflies. Ellie doesn't understand the Fireflies because she's still very manipulated by Fedra and what Fedra's saying. Uh, they get into a tussle when Ellie finds out that Riley is actually stationed in the mall and has explosives to guard against uh, Fedra and other people. Uh, so they make, and Riley essentially tells Ellie that she's being stationed outside of Boston. Uh, and they kind of make this deal to stick together. And that was that, uh, you know, an infected comes out. They both get bitten uh, and they're left with a choice, right? Take the easy way yep. out, call it a day and kill and kill themselves or spend what little time they have left together. And they opted for that. But here's the kick. Riley turns. Ellie doesn't. What we later learn is obviously that Ellie ends up killing Riley. And that's the person, the first person that Ellie has ever had to kill. And just that emotional burden of, you know, having to kill the person that you love uh, and being left alone yet again. So, again, this juxtaposition with Joel, um, you know, with where, where both Joel and Ellie love people. They keep dying. Yep. And it also denotes love hurts. Right? Because it's that whole love can be a disruptor. And that's one of the things in this in this show that I worked hard on. You know, uh, Joel with Tess, Frank. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, everything about it is just every time they go down the love path, Sam and Henry... It ends badly. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's a horrible theme that is really. <laughs> it's very dark. Yep. So again, similar to the video game where Ellie becomes the main character in the show. Ellie is the main character here and she decides to save Joel's life. And this leads us into episode number eight. Any last comments on seven? No, it was a fun time. Abandoned mall in Calgary that they shot in. Um, that I, I just loved, you know, like you say, the wonder and amazement of the character's reaction to actually having lights on to actually having moving parts and yeah. And, and playing video games and stuff like that. Like it made you realize, like you pointed out, like how we take things for granted in a lot of ways. And here were these characters getting to explore them through, we got to see it through their, their eyes, which I thought was very, you know, fun just like in the video game it was fun yep fun fun little uh dls dlc yep exactly all right so episode number eight here we go david is reading Ooh. a bible in front of a congregation of survivors um we jump to joel and ellie ellie is still watching over joel Joel now has a fever. They're low on food. Ellie decides to take Joel's rifle, goes hunting, um, you know, and she ends up running into David um, in a very weird, awkward conversation. Yep. The, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This, this episode was really good at encapsulating, I think, a much larger piece of the game. 
Yeah. I believe the game was a more fleshed out thing, but this one started hacking certain characters into, uh, into certain roles in, in the effort to expedite the story, which was a good choice again. Yep, that's exactly it, right? Uh, so I'm gonna try to keep this to the story of the of the of the show. We can talk a little bit about the game. Uh, so you know, David essentially, um, you don't really trust him when he meets up with with Ellie. Um, his yeah. friend James kind of goes back into town to get the medicine. Uh, Ellie and and James kind of have a conversation. He kind of talks and and buys Ellie's trust in 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 a way, right? Um, it was yep. then revealed. That it was David's men who were killed by Joel in the university. Yeah, this is where it came full circle. And you're like, oh, now we're also getting this idea that there's two sides to the story. These guys are thinking of themselves as the good guys. But really, and they presented themselves as the good guys to Ellie. But when Ellie makes that choice and then she finds out, now she's got questions in her mind. Because in, in that whole script out, like in that whole interaction, she was the one holding the gun. Okay, drop your guns. Okay, throw them away. You know what I mean? Like she was doing what Joel would do instead of just taking people for their word. And that's what I was alluding to earlier is that this is getting explored more and more with her being a little more cold, a little more cynical to others in this world because she's been through the shit. And yeah, she's calling them. She's uh, you can see it's physically unnerving because you're like, yeah, they portray themselves as the good guys, but they were the assholes at the university. <laughs> exactly. Like they were the perpetrators, they were, right? David they says were the instigators. that Alec was killed by some crazy man and his daughter. Yep. So these other three guys went back to the encampment and went, Oh, there's a whole bunch of crazy people out there. Oh, you know, and they just made up a bullshit story after they tried to, you know, yeah, hoodwink these people. When we find out that, you know, that they actually do all know each other, uh, David does allow Ellie to leave with the medication. Ellie runs back to the basement, injects penicillin into him. Uh, and then this is kind of where we find out that this encampment, this commune, isn't all that isn't you know yeah. it's, it's it's they're not they're not the same they're not regular they're running out of food let's just say that help <laughs> something's off the soup don't taste good soiling green is people my friends soiling green is people <laughs> and i kind of like because even as joyce is making all this food and we see this big ass thing of meat she very kind of reluctantly <laughs> says what is this and he and he's like venison. Shut up. And they just had the deer, so you're kind of believing it as an audience member. But afterwards, you think back to that moment and you go, "Ew." <laughs> yep. Because the irony was is that they're holding a banquet for the deceased girl's father, and. Maybe they were eating the deceased, or not the deceased girl, but the little yeah. girl's deceased father. father. And it, maybe there was a little bit of him in that meal. Which <laughs> is really gross. Right? Right? Um, oh. 
So <laughs> Ellie gives Joel the penicillin. She hears birds uh, flying away, so she knows something is back. It's David, James, and their men coming to find both Joel and Ellie because they are there to kill them. Uh, Ellie runs away, leaving Joel, uh, but she doesn't get too far. James gets Ellie down, uh, and Ellie is taken prisoner. The rest of the men are trying to find Joel. This is when Joel hears one of David's men searching through the house. As the man climbs downstairs, Joel gets up and attacks him from behind, kills him with a knife. And this is one of the great things about being Canadian, or if you're in the northern part of the U.S., you leave footprints in snow. <laughs> so her running back to the house with the meds wasn't hard for these guys to track. And that's exactly why the they let her go, area. right? They wanted to. Yeah, and they knew it. They wanted Joel. They wanted Joel, and she, they knew that she was with Joel, so that's why they let her go. Yep. It was beautifully done. <laughs> yep. I was just thinking it during the... um during the episode like oh yeah um you know it's not hard to figure out where you're going like in this environment that they've set yep. up but for them. so the encampment uh the commune is called Sil silver lake ellie awakes she's locked in a cage david tries to befriend her in the most creepy way humanly possible yeah <laughs> Nothing like manipulating the way that this guy does. Yeah. And <laughs> Ellie doesn't really fall for it, but she kind of plays along enough because she realizes yeah. these motherfuckers are cannibals. Yeah, because she can see, what was it, an ear? An ear. Ear sitting on the, the chopping room floor. <laughs> so it's, it's you know, the ruse is up. So she plays along just enough to almost get the keys. Yep. To almost get the keys and she ends up uh, manipulating him a little bit back yep. and breaking some fingers which was absolutely satisfying to watch yeah, but this yeah is very it's difficult to watch to at times into, there was a yeah. lot of creepiness in this episode to say the least yeah it's hard to do cannibals as normal <laughs> <laughs> right book Eli shows me that every time I watch it <laughs> All right, so back in the town, David's men, they're searching for Joel. Joel subdues them, traps them in the house, and he torches them for information on Ellie's location, uh, very similar to the video game. Oh, Point to a map. Yeah. I'm going to give the map to the other guy, and if you're not, yeah, I'm going to kill both of you if you're, one of you are lying. He gets the information. He ends up killing both of them in cold blood. Uh, back in Silver Lake, um, we see David coming in with food. Go, this, again, this is where we kind of find out that we see Alex bloodied ear. Uh, so it kind of was confirmed that, yes, the previous night at the banquet in his wake, they ate him in his own wake. And it's hilarious, too, because when you watch everyone eating, the guys who do the butchering and back in secret are the least hungry. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're like. Mm, just gonna slowly take in this stew and I'm probably gonna have some left over. Whereas everybody else is like scarfing it down, like, oh my god, I'm so hungry. And it's like oh. <laughs> just yeah. Quite literally going down that whole religious path of of um of you know Christ and taste, you know, 
partaking in the body of Christ and everything. If you're brings it, Catholic. yeah, it brings whole whole new uh, whole new meaning to all of that. Uh, so, what I really liked about this episode is that Joel is making his way to Silver Lake, and as a viewer, you're kind of thinking that it's going to be Joel who saves Ellie. But similar to the video game, it's Ellie who fights for herself. Um, ends up catching, uh, putting the restaurant that they're in on fire, and ends up hacking the shit out of david uh very similar yeah. to the uh what is that the, the that hitchhiker who fucking clobbered the guy in the head uh very similar to that ellie kills david um and this is where we probably see the biggest change in ellie because she's dejected she's in distraught she's in shock she leaves the restaurant and that's when joel finally catches up to her but she's in so much shock she doesn't even react to joel and joel doesn't know what the fuck to do at this point and this is now question yeah how did you feel about the scene because i gotta say i felt really good about it because that guy got what was coming yeah i liked it no, the violence the, the violence is you know jarring and whatnot but yeah they didn't really show it, but they they showed enough of it that you weren't. There was no mistaking what was going on, Look, right? Like, it's uh, I enjoyed seeing her let loose like that. It's I thought it a lot worse in you know, the video game, right? Because yes, they have the element is. of rape in that. They have the it, like nothing happens, but it's kind of like you know David's not all as cracked up as to be, right? Um, not yeah. only are they cannibals, but they're not good people. Uh, and you know they go into a lot more detail in the video game than they did here in the show, right? Um, so yep. the last thing I want to really mention, and this is where everything comes full circle for both Joel and Ellie. Ellie stumbles from the restaurant. Joel finds her, confronts, comforts her, and calls her baby girl. Wraps his coat yep. around her, and they walk away into the snow. That's his pet name for his his, his now past daughter, Sarah. So very important, very emotionally tone setting. And at this point, I enjoyed the episode so much that I was really not looking forward to it ending. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I, I wanted to see more of Joel and Ellie exploring their actual bond of trust yep. and the parental bond. Because that happens a little bit earlier in the game, a lot earlier, that you form this relationship and you just continue to flesh it out in the game. And and then the show was like, like I say, they made decisions. I'm not saying they weren't the right decisions because I'm not a movie producer, but or a show produ production person. But yeah, they made the choice and it kind of works at the end of the day. Yeah. So... Here's the thing, though. Yeah. I feel that, you know, HBO obviously took a risk with this show, right? I think that if they knew yeah. its popularity, this season would have, or sorry, the video game, the first part would have been spread out into more than just one season. I feel like it was very compact. I feel like they jumped through a lot. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of story that they had to get to in only nine episodes. It wasn't even ten episodes. It was only nine episodes yeah. with episode number nine being the shortest one at 45 to 50 minutes yep that, and that was the other shocker when i found out the runtime and i'm like oh man i wanted to have a longer a longer experience but such is life right like and even then when we go into that episode nine a good chunk of it is taking place in the past again 
Yep. As I'm sure you're going to tell us. It's the origin <laughs> story of Ellie, essentially. We get a flashback introducing us to Anna, Ellie's mom, and how she's forced to give birth to her daughter while fighting off an infected. Anna is played by Ashley Johnson, who just so happens to be the voice of Ellie uh, and one of my celebrity crushes. Yes, on uh, uh, Critical Role. I've Critical Role. Sent, and I've actually followed her through. Gone and her. watched it. I, I have uh, followed her throughout her entire career, uh, you know, from yeah. her and I are all basically the same age and, you know, from her time in Step by Step to uh, the, What Women Want with Mel Gibson, she played the daughter and that, to everything in Critical Role, uh, to this. Well, she was in Growing Pains, too, for an episode, wasn't she? For an episode or two, yep. Yeah, it's so, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yep. So Mike Seaver's cousin. She gets bit... <laughs> As she's bit, she gives birth. So they kind of hint towards how Ellie is resistant, how she's quote unquote immune. Um, I like the fact mm-hmm. that she runs into a farmhouse that looks very similar to the farmhouse in The Last of Us Part Two. That's all I'm saying about that. Yeah, this was a an idea that was explored in the comic book for the show. So this was the first time that they really it wasn't part of the video game. It was part of the extended universe of the video game. And yeah, it was it was a good change. I like it. Uh, it gave it some context. I love me some context. Yeah. So uh, we figure out the deal that Marlene had with Anna uh, Ellie's mom. Yeah. It's basically to protect her, watch her. Um, Marlene agrees to kill Anna and kind of watches over Ellie. And she kind of knew that she would play an important role in a sense, right? Yeah. yeah. Some could say that it's very, you know, timing and everything is a hell of a thing, right? Uh, but I think that yeah, overall, this part of what nice makes for a good way. story. Exactly. Yeah, it makes for a good story. And we know if you played the game at all at this point, you know that you're going to see Joel go off the deep end in this episode just like ella or uh, uh, ellie did in the last episode with dude and his face so this was going to be one where it's like okay i'm curious how they're going to shoot this like how they're going to get the frenetic you know the energy going because in the game you can't stop like this is the part where adrenaline pumping hard like you are shaking in the game from the point that you reach salt lake to the end of the game you you, most people do it in one sitting and it's a very long sitting uh yeah in the show they reach salt lake they make their their way through the highway uh they're bonding a lot more um you know she drops a ladder she sees something at distance the ladder falls uh, Joel is confused and worried, and he follows her. And this is when they see that group of giraffes. And what I really like about this is kind of like, again, going back to Ellie not having that typical child that she's never seen in, like, a lot of these animals. She may have seen these in books, right? Uh, but it's kind of mm-hmm. like removes them from this crazy fucked up world that they're in, and they finally see some beauty in the world. And that's the one really awesome part yeah. about, like, that entire baseball field, right? It's like... When yep. you see the fact that there's more than one uh, giraffe and, 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 and all that. Yeah, there's a herd, I would imagine. And, yeah, it, it's one of the peaceful moments in the game, which happens a lot earlier, yep. I believe. But it is definitely one of the interludes that 
was important and left an impression. So I'm glad that they included it in the episode. Uh, yeah. Um, so they kind of uh, pet the giraffe. Uh, you know, they exit the building and Joel says there's an option. You know, do they leave all they set out to do behind? Yeah. Return to Tommy's. Um, or do they continue with their mission? Ellie is determined at this point to reach the hospital and see their mission through, um, you know, because she says, and I quote, it can't be for nothing. Yeah, line for line out of the video game. Yep. So They reach an area with medical tents. Joel kind of says that after the outbreak, he ended up in a similar location, and this is when we learn that it was Joel who actually tried to commit suicide after Sarah's death. Ellie consoles yep. him, um, you know, and they again, they have more bonding, uh, you know, and, and yeah, this part was kind of gut-wrenching. Yep. And again, the theme of suicide comes up and very unpleasant. So uh, I feel like it's only appropriate that we put in the disclaimer about suicidal thoughts as a as a way of dealing with your situation. If you are feeling that way, please reach out to somebody and get some help. And yeah, it's a very dark place to go to. And I'm sure it's a tough subject for, you know, even shows like this to bring up, but it's an important thing to at least address. So I'm glad that they incorporated that into Joel. Yep. Agreed. All right. So the mood is super tense and Joel kind of suggests that they read some more puns. Uh, yeah. I kind of like that icebreaker. It was really a nice moment. And again, they they're bond, right? This is how they get along. This is kind of their thing at this point, talking about the future and puns. Um, yeah. <laughs> we see a smoke bomb landing at their feet. Joel wakes up in hospital bed. Marlene is there. She welcomes him to the fireflies. Uh, and she says that Ellie is getting ready for surgery. And this is when shit hits the fan when we find out what is actually going to happen to Ellie. Yep. Unfortunately, to extract the cure, so to speak, if they if they can at all synthesize it, it will require going into her brain, which is basically, especially in this world, uh, a, a mortal event. So obviously you see Marlene debating the morality of it and falling on the side of the decision of the promise to the mother is not as important as the potential of a cure. And yeah, Joel has feelings about that and they're not quite lining up. <laughs> yeah. He, to say the least. <laughs> again, he's left with this decision, right? And it's this moral decision of does he do what is good for the quote-unquote overall world, the greater good, or is he going to be selfish and keep his new daughter, you know, his someone who he can relate to, someone who he, he loves in that daughter sense? And, yeah. well, Phil, you can tell us what Joel picks. Yep, he's going to go for the fact that love hurts, and he's going to sacrifice the fate of mankind the 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 possibility i wouldn't say it's a certainty the possibility of saving the world from this disease to you know selfishly 
preserve her life and rescue her if he can from her operation and get her the hell out of there. <laughs> Joel kills every single firefly in his path. Uh, he finds yeah. where they're keeping uh, Ellie. He kills the surgeon and the two assistants, uh, nurses. Ellie is not awake. He takes her. Um, Joel leaves, carries her out of the room. They go down an elevator. They're in the garage. They find Marlene there. Um, you know, she yeah. makes one more attempt to change his mind and says that Ellie would rather die for the vaccine than escape with him, wanting her death to mean something rather than die without hope. Um, Joel yep. can't process this, and again, he left with the ultimate moral decision at this point, ends up shooting Marlene, um, you know. Yeah, that, that when he's got that. the right point. He is, if he leaves her alive, she's going to track him down. <laughs> she's going to find Ellie. So he's and I protecting Ellie to a foreshadowing, degree, right? Right. Because that's super yep. foreshadowing, even in the video game, right? Yeah, he's committing. Yep. So they leave. It's time to return back to Jackson. Joel is, uh, you know, he's driving away. Um, he's, you can see some stirring. Ellie is sort of waking up. She asks him what happened, and this is when Joel lies to her, and he said, recalls the events that transpired in the parking lot. Um, that's is when we actually see how he shoots Marlene, but he tells her that the fireflies have already stopped looking for a cure and that she's not the only human immune to this. Ellie kind of turns away silently, all disappointed because now she feels like her life was meaningless. Her life was not worth it, that this entire mission just wasn't anything. Yeah, there's uh stream problems. Yeah. That's fine. We're recording. That's the important part. Yep. Good. Um, but go ahead. Oh, sorry. You cut out for me, too. So oh. <laughs> I'm just reading uh, Alex's comments. But where'd you leave it off at? I, I could hear bits and pieces. Oh, uh, they're in the car. Uh, and Ellie. Oh, yeah. Of, yeah. That part in the car. Well, she can she can kind of figure out that stuff isn't adding up because she's still in the medical gown, yeah. <laughs> right? It's 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 kind of like well, if if it wasn't going to work out and they knew that it wasn't going to work, how come I don't have clothes? <laughs> yeah, so he comes up with the story that you know they got uh, they got attacked by raiders and he needed to escape. So, but Ellie doesn't fully believe him. Yeah, they stop near Jackson. Um, and they have to walk the rest of the way. Uh, as they're walking, you know, this part really is crazy because, like, Joel kind of mentions, hey, I used to take walks like this, hikes like this with Sarah, and he kind of mentions Sarah. you and Sarah would have gotten along really well. She was a lot like you. I liked your jokes, liked your like like the attitude and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so this was, like, another gut-wrenching thing as Joel compounds to the lies and continues. Not that that was a lie, but he's already lied twice to to ellie and then he kind of like tries to bring stuff back and 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 divert the attention um ellie stops joel confronts son about his version of events that happened earlier and she expresses her survivor's guilt 
mentioning all of their friends who have died and succumbed to CBI and wonders if she could have done more to end the pandemic. She asks Joel to swear to her that everything he told her about the fireflies is true. He does. Yeah, which kind of denotes that she's thinking this bullshit. Hesitantly (laughs) accepts his answer, and that is how the season ends. So, Phil, the big theme here is the moral and the choice that Joel had to make. That was the biggest takeaway from this episode. Do you think that HBO, Craig Mason, and Neil Durkman did a good job of extrapolating that from the game and putting it to screen for us? Yep, I felt it. Uh, The people I know who didn't know the ending of this definitely felt it. The feedback from them was really good in that they were overwhelmed by the weight of the decision and the decision itself that the protagonist of the of the of the series did the anti-hero move didn't do the big gesture to save the world he, he did the big gesture thought of to himself. save his yeah he put himself before others and put ellie before i think that's you know a fate the part that a lot of people forget right is the fact that if joel didn't save ellie and he if he wasn't um you know, thinking about himself, if he wasn't selfish, Ellie would have been dead. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, right? Is it him being selfish for the whole idea that he wanted to reattain a relationship with someone like his daughter and explore that more because he's regretful and feels guilt over it. Or did he actually see somebody in Ellie that, he thought should be part of the world as it goes forward, that her contribution just as a human being could be more impactful to the world than the chance that she yields the antidote. There's no guarantee here. It's, it's a, it's a chance to me. The biggest takeaway is, is that, you know, if you're nine months pregnant, and you get infected in like literally the moments before you give birth. If you could recreate that and get like basically babies that are immune or people that are immune, then you can explore that on a natural basis. You know what I mean? Like a more, I don't know. It's still horrific to, to consider because scientifically ending the ending the lives of people. Scientifically but. speaking, there's no cure for this. There's nothing that w- could have helped them. So if you're looking yeah. at it from a scientific point of view, which we can't really because Joel's no scientist. No one's a scientist out yeah. of the, you know, this out is of these moral. people. It's a moral dilemma. But scientifically, if you look at the science of this, Joel made the right decision by killing yeah. a bunch of people. But yeah, I digress. I I. I think so. Like, I was always okay with that ending in the game. I'm glad that they had the intestinal fortitude to go through with it in the show. I'm glad that they kept to that true spirit of things. And I'm glad that people talk about it. I'm glad that it created this this reflection point for people to know things, especially after everything that we've been through with the pandemic. Yep. So, yeah. 
overall, you know, two thumbs up, five stars out of five, or I would out of give 10 this, for me. I would honestly give this two thumbs up, 4.5 out of five. That point five, yeah, that's fair because nothing is perfect. But this is as damn close yeah. as you can get, honestly. Uh, this was such a fun, uh, you know, nine weeks of television. You know, it's Sundays just are haven't been the same since. Even with Succession back, yeah, things just haven't been the same without The Last of Us, and I cannot wait for season two uh, because, like, you know, as we kind of talked about at the start of the show, you know, they Craig Mason and especially Neil Durkman said that they're really going to be moving away from the source material a little bit. Um, so to me, it'll be interesting. What does that actually mean, right? Because there's so many options yep. at this point. Are they gonna are they gonna retcon a few things? Are they gonna change things up? I'm sure they'll change the order to ex, to expand uh, certain uh, stuff uh, within the second yeah. game. Certain but, roles. Yep. Certain roles. Certain contracts. Certain whatever. Right. Yep. One hundred percent. I I look forward to however they want to revisit this and however they want to explore it going forward from a show production point of view. And yep. not hold it up to the video game as much and just let the roller coaster ride. So, yep. you know, maybe they make fans happier who weren't happy with the exactly. game. But unfortunately, I think most of the people that weren't happy with the game never even really played it. So, yeah, it's a hard thing to quantify. It's a hard I, thing to prove. The reaction the fandom and this is what always makes me laugh right is that you know similar to game of thrones there's the hbo fandom but then there's the fandom of people who know the source material right uh so yeah. i can't wait to see the source material fandom and how they react to how season two transpires but before we get there again thank you so much for listening i hope yes. that this kind of expanded and made you think a little more and you had fun with us and retelling a lot of this story we like to have fun with these episodes you know we just like to discuss really get in depth into what we thought since we're not really doing as much week to week on the it's canon podcast but phil can you tell our listeners how they can listen to us each and every single week I sure can. You can visit us on our website at www.itscanonpodcast.com. And that was really loud. That's www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can track us down on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe wherever you find podcasts. But you can also find us on Patreon at the SNME Radio uh, handle. And as well... You can also see us on Facebook, YouTube, really anywhere. Well, you can now stream us. So we would appreciate a like and subscribe. And if you want to hit that bell, you'll get notified of when we drop these crazy episodes. Because as you're seeing on a Sunday night, here we are dropping an episode. And we'll probably be back with you 100% tomorrow night to give you uh, the week in geek, so to speak. So thanks for all your support. Everybody have a great night. And yep. tell your friends about the It's Cam podcast. Sorry for blowing your ears, everyone. Uh, the streaming controls <laughs> are a little weird still. I got, uh, I don't know, the one little thing. The background music is always weird. And it's different from how I used to always play it here. But thank you so much, Phil. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is the It's Canon podcast, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything. From Legos to movies to Last of Us to TV to HBO to wrestling to everything. Uh, we have you covered. And Phil, 
Do you know what the best part of it all is? It's all in canon, baby. It's all in canon. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Until next time, stay safe. We'll be catching you soon. <laughs>